Chaos to Cured podcast is here to explain our perspective of the human experience. We hope it leads to questions, learning, wisdom, and knowledge. Welcome to Chaos to Cured. You are here with Kirk Patrick Miller and Jeffrey Freed. Our notes are in the show notes uh, or ways to reach out and contact us if you'd like to speak with us. Um, we're going to do a topic today, which, you know, we're both really a huge fans of, and we have talked about in the past, um, which is mental health, just overall, all of the different, um, I don't like the word disorders. So unique conditions people deal with how they're all interrelated and how everything is, you know, we, we have autism, which we call a spectrum disorder. But, um, you know, we're, we kind of want to delve into all mental health being kind of a spectrum. Um, so, Jeffrey, you want to jump into this or would you like me to go first? You go first. I, I can hang back. So a couple years ago, I did um, what I called a sphere of mental wellness. Right. And so what I try to do is, you know, pinpoint, you, you know, you have. Uh, we have a bunch of different spectrums. We have introvert to extrovert. We have um, people who are, you know, um, more visual, right brain, more left brained. Um, We have our different perceptions of time, which we just did a podcast on. So if you're listening and you're interested, we did a really interesting one on time. Um, But what happened was I kind of put all of these things together in a quadrant. and, you know, you can see OCD kind of fits here. You have ADHD kind of fits here. You have, um, you know, and as you kind of looked at it, it was really interesting because, of course, we all would fit within what we consider to be a normal. So I, I figured the sphere would be, you know, our base, base range for just, you know, everybody that's not noticeable. If you reach any of the you know, extreme points. So say negative 10, negative 10, negative 10. So on, we're thinking on a three-dimensional plane, right? If you hit negative 10 on all of those, you're going to be way outside the norm on say uh, being extroverted and at the same time being really creative, which tends to fit, um, you know, mania, right? So what I try to do is tie something in so that it's a little bit easier for people to Um, I mean, the main purpose of it was so people keeping track of like a mood chart could go in and see where their progress was, how much their progress had been improved. Because right now there's not really a very good system for people to kind of see because we're dealing with stuff that can't be seen. What I realized as I was building this sphere is almost everything had overlapping symptoms. So between ADHD and autism and OCD, um, you have impulsivity, you have, uh, I mean, I mean, there's so many different symptoms that overlap. And one of the things that, you know, separated them were just, you know, specific things. We don't need to get into those details. It's the concept that was interesting to me. And so I guess my question that I'm just going to just shoot at you is, first of all, is all of this um imagined differences so and this is a really 
weird a loaded question that i'm throwing at you but you have say autism schizophrenia bipolar uh ocd you know ptsd depression you know uh, throw all of those in there and are they all technically part of one spectrum and did we just simply delineate them based on a need a human need to separate just like what we did with like animals and we or need to science. Yeah, yes. categorized. And, it, and it's for it, it is categorized for a purpose. So I understand. But are all of them really interrelated? And I'm of the belief that everything actually is way closer than we realize. And um, the differences kind of lie in the extremes and how those extremes present. And of course, that's what they say in like, if you're going to read the DSM five, so I'm going to leave you with a loaded question and just let you respond. Um, and we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Well, I have a slightly different interpretation of things, probably colored by the fact that I work with children and adults who are um, categorized as autistic or Asperger's. Um, and I see it from a sensory viewpoint. And I'm going to try to explain this in a way that is understandable because I've got it what it is. But um, it's pretty hard to articulate it. So let me take a let me take a shot at it. People who are um, labeled with some kind of mental something usually have exaggerated senses. Um, they they have incredible hearing, most of them, sensitivity to touch, sensitivity to taste, sensitivity to clothes, sensitivity to people's moods smells, I already mentioned that. And what happens is the world to a person like that, and there are a lot of them, um, not just people labeled autistic, it's the highly sensitive person, which is a new thing going around, new category. And it's very good. Um, what, they, what happens with these individuals, and this would also include people who are labeled bipolar, and I think schizophrenic, even though I'm a, I'm a little... Um, I don't know if I want to get into that because that's, that's more medical than, than behavioral. But what happens is, is when you are a human receiver, when you pick up so much information from your environment, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there to pick up if you have the ability to do it. In some environments that could save your life, like a person living in the bush, you want to have exaggerated senses so you can smell danger, smell the game, smell water, to be able to determine if a storm's coming or not by sort of, you know, sort of using your nose to, to hear the, to hear, to, smell, to ascertain the differences in the air. And this is a marvelous ability in a hunting environment, but it doesn't do you any good in a classroom or at work. Because again, there's a lot to pick up out. If you can pick it up, some of the people I work with labeled bipolar or autistic have unbelievable hearing. Um, one of the most quick examples is I've worked with people who the parents would take the option of getting out of Dodge um, when I was working with the kids for an hour. And they would just leave and they come back and I remember this kid could always tell light years ahead of me that his mom's car was coming. And 
he could um, say, yeah, their mom will be here in five minutes. And then five minutes later, mom pulled up. Who can do that? Um, I've had kids that are, their hearing is so sensitive that when I write, oh, this is an experiment I did, I would say, my um, piece of paper, I'm facing, not facing the person I'm working with, maybe 20 feet away. And I'll write a number from one to 20. And I'll write it fairly, you know, not really overtly. They'll always tell me which number I picked. They were way better than the average person. So imagine that kind of sensitivity during regular linear life. It doesn't do you any good. It makes you, it makes it harder to focus. You pick up stuff about other people that a, the average person can't pick up. You can sense if a teacher or a boss is wondering what's wrong with you and the average linear person can't. And they have a tendency to perform really, really well around people that they perceive of as liking them. And they're usually right and really horribly if they think a person is judging them. They're, they're, they can be so perfectionistic. So my take on this about what, you know, concerning what we're talking about is how the person deals with their hypersensitivities. The autistic individual, again, there are a lot of folks who fit this moniker they shut down either involuntarily or voluntarily. And they sometimes do ritualistic behavior to sort of make order out of the chaotic universe they live in. Sometimes they'll repeat stuff over and over again to soothe themselves. Um, they'll sometimes cut themselves or hurt themselves because then it's really easy for them to hone in on or blame the horrible hypersensitivities on a cut that takes it away from the regular stuff and the big one with all of them is anxiety everybody has anxiety but their anxiety is cubed or or stronger and how they deal with that they can be cold and indifferent they can go to a shrink's office and when they're being tested and be scared to death because they're being judged so they drop out the shrink might say something like, well, they're, they're, they're emitting um, avoidance behavior. Of course they are. They're, they're constantly being judged. So many of them withdraw. And they feel that way too. They do feel like they're being judged. I know. Um, you know, it, you just said so much, you know, uh, for, so for everyone listening, you know, um, th there was, a, there's a lot there. And one, you know, of course, everybody here's a disclaimer at the beginning. So, you know, sir, please seek out, you know, a uh, professional if you are struggling with any of these issues. Um, I love the idea that even, you know, we're talking about um, everything being kind of interrelated. So there, there's two things. One, um, I absolutely agree with what you're talking about. Um, that kind of fits into another, you know, thing that, we kind of began with so and i'm sorry I, I kind of broke into two big things so one of them is everything being interconnected which i really from from dealing with individuals on my own personal level say if somebody has uh definitely you know in some of the studies uh where i was was there dealing with individuals who had schizophrenic uh tendencies um all bipolar um quite a few had autism as well 
it was absolutely fascinating how well everyone understood each other. And um, that's the first time I started really kind of paying attention. And, you know, when, and again, of course, there's times when that, that would, there'd be massive discord as well. I think that ties into the second part, which we, we, I try, which is kind of where I felt you were going, where there's, I think even with, um, you know, the hypersensitivity, the, the ability, the sensitivity and the anxiety, there really is a spectrum on both of those. And yes, and I definitely think any therapist out there on the planet, any uh, researcher, um, those are really vital things. I mean, we did our show last time about time, which I've already said, I think it's really important. But what you just said right there about the hypersensitivity being on this, uh, if you judge that as a spectrum, you have people that have like almost no sensitivity at times. Um, and then same thing with the anxiety. You know, I envy the people who have like none. Sometimes I, you know, it, it just, it's such a drain on me constantly. So um, that's why I kind of wanted to make sure I just stopped this right there. Cause we were kind of going, I wanted to say there's two different things that I wanted to talk about the, what you're talking about right now, let's just go with that. So like kind of a spectrum of like hypersensitivity, cause you see um, hypersensitivity in every single um, individual that I've ever dealt with that has had a medical diagnosis um like and definitely i mean would you say that's been the case for like have you ever had a single individual you've worked with that's had a medical diagnosis um of a say a mental health diagnosis that has not had hypersensitivity yes but there's a reason um this is what happens in my in my experience in my you have people who are hypersensitive, a lot of them have a ADD. They pick up a lot of different information, more than the person who doesn't have ADD. And then another thought pops into their mind. And they're usually disorganized, talk real fast, or sometimes not at all. And their, their weakness is, is linear, sequential processing. Now, if you go on that spectrum, you start getting to where the person is so sensitive that they get the diagnosis of autism and or Asperger's. They don't really call it Asperger's anymore. They call it all autism. There's the person who has managed their sensitivities. They have shut down. The, the person with ADD can't shut it down. They're constantly being torn in different directions. Person with autism has dealt with that. They have shut it down. So they're six, they can be called successful ADDers. They've solved the dilemma of constant interruption. They're also known, autistic people, as amazing focusers. Um, they get into something, they just totally hyper, hyper attentuate. Now, you had asked me the question, have I ever met one who didn't? Yeah, this is the most interesting part of this conversation. I have worked with people who I knew were on the spectrum. They had the diagnosis. And they, I tried to get them to visualize. They said, I can't visualize. And I would pursue that and say, you know, I try to trick them into visualizing. And when they, they could do something, I knew they were not telling the truth. And I hypothesized, and I asked a couple of them, just straight up, 
um, why are you afraid of visualizing? Because that's what they expressed, that they're afraid of it. And they said, it's too scary. It's too terrifying. So I shut it all down. Their words, not mine. But it's all the same thing. How people react to, to their hypersensitivities. They react differently, which can um, condition you know, different manifestations. A concrete example that most people will get is a lot of times people with autism are misdiagnosed with having non-verbal learning disorder and BLD. They're the ones that can't visualize at all. Now, this is confusing as hell because there are people out there who can't visualize. They're usually very linear, sequential, and they literally can't see in pictures. Everything's words in their head. So you take someone like that, they're the real deal. But many of the people that have been diagnosed with nonverbal learning disorder are hypersensitive, incredible visualizers. They visualize so well that it scares them. And they can be misdiagnosed. And that happens often. Um, I've run into that maybe 30 times over the past 30 years. And once I can explain it to a therapist or a parent, they can see it. Um, but how do you make a person who's scared to death of visualizing because it's so powerful that it's, they forget where they are when they visualize. I, I, I've heard that. And that's one well, of the characteristics of autism. The people visualize and imagine so well that they forget which is real and what we call real and which is in their mind. Go ahead, Kurt. I, I wanted to tell you, you know, um, as you, when you said, I'm going to tell you why, um, I, I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I took a, like a screenshot. Um, I was going to text it to you, but I didn't want it to pop up and, you know, mess with your thought process. Um, but I wrote down, take in too much and must shut down, right? So right. The, the reason why I wrote that is, um, it, at least out of all the individuals, I never have dealt with one that wasn't hypersensitive when they're kind of, you know, more extreme. Um, cause it, I, and I would have to say, you know, the, the individuals that end up having a diagnosis and medication and stuff like that, it, you know, it, it's a long process. And so if you are a family member that's going through this, you know, it takes a lot of time jumping from one, you know, psychologist to the next, um, you know, I did, uh, MMPI, uh, test, which is the Mississippi, what is it? Multiphasic personality index or something like that. So I had to get those, I had to do, you know, of course, um, that you go, then they judge that, send you to another psychiatrist, and then you're going to go on a journey of medications. When you do that, you know, of course, things in your life are severe enough that it is brought attention to everyone. And therefore, that's why you're getting a diagnosis. There's nothing wrong with it. And I think it's so important for us to always remember, you know, when we're talking about this, we're talking about these individuals, we want everybody to understand how amazing every person is and every mind is. I, I just think we, you know, and Jeffrey, you've said it before, you know, we, you said it today, you know, we live in a world where it doesn't quite fit um, everyone. Well, it doesn't definitely doesn't, doesn't fit everyone, but sometimes we miss out on some of the most beautiful aspects of an individual because the world we live in doesn't see what they have as valuable or they see it as a you know 
we're not patient enough, whatever the case might be. Or we, or we, we think that they're dangerous. Everyone's yes. so afraid that they're afraid if someone's a little different, they're going to go psycho on them. And that's sad because very few actually would. And it's frustrating too, because of course you have individuals that are absolutely just super sweet. And I would have to say uh, out of a lot of the people that I've ever met, some of the most, uh, actually the, so the large percentage of the sweetest and the nicest people I've ever met are, uh, have some pretty serious, you know, diagnoses. Um, yeah. and definitely some of the most brilliant, brilliant. ideas and, uh, you know, create creative, um, either thought or paintings, oh, music, the things that people can do. We really want everybody to remember that. And I think the best way to do that is for us to kind of talk about something like this, because I, I know um, neurotypical individuals um, and, you know, wouldn't understand what that means, that you're hearing stuff. So, you know, um, you, you gave a great example of being able to hear a car. The best example I can give um, is I thought my babysitter when I was young, I thought she had, uh, you know, a, a, a problem with her knee because I would hear her coming down the stairs, right? And I would be trying to, you know, I could never sleep. Uh, ADHD, definitely notorious uh, for having sleep problems. I know the same thing with, you know, um, 90% uh, of autism. Special, yeah. Issues with sleep. They can't relax. Oh, I, I would just lie there for hours. My mind's racing. And of course, you know, I'm supposed to sleep. So I pretend I'd, you know, I'd hear her coming down the stairs. Um, it was like, years later and i asked i was like yeah she had you know i'd hear this you know click because you know the her knee and they're like no um it was her heart she had a uh, she had a valve in her heart and wow. yeah if the room was totally silent you could maybe hear a little bit but i mean it was vivid to me so it sounded like her knee cracked every time she's yeah, going it sounded loud to you it yeah. sounded screamed at you and then nobody else can hear it what do no, you do with and, that well, and the, the most frustrating thing in the world for me is this, the water. So if somebody turns on water, if you turn it on not enough, if it hits in between pitches, it just kills me. So I have to turn the water on a little bit more or waste water. And I don't want to waste water. So then I'll turn it too quiet. And it, as it goes lower, the pitch isn't right. So there's, there's sounds um, you know, somebody turns or, or uses soup bowl. And then we get back into the hypersensitivity. My sensitivities were through the roof. And when I would go catatonic, it, it was literally the whole world was coming in so much. It just like everything in the whole world just stopped. And I, I could not respond. I remember a couple of times my sister trying to get me up because I had to go to work and she's trying to, you know, pull me out of bed and I could not move. I I mean, I, I don't even, um, that whole day, it was like two days and I don't even remember, you know, I definitely didn't eat, I didn't move. Um, and that kind of inability to even function is so weird. And it's something I never want to go back to. Um, and it takes daily practice, you know, but yeah. And as hard as I've worked to, to get where I am, you know, you you just said, you know, sometimes people fear uh, a diagnosis. If, if somebody reads my medical chart, they're terrified. Huh. 
And, you know, it's, you see the reaction, you know, I don't, each time I see a new doctor and again, I'm, this is not a slam against doctors. I know what they have to deal with. And it's not always like fun and games. Sometimes it's scary, but it's, it's one thing when I go into a hospital and they, they're like, Oh, how are you doing? It's nice to see you. How are you feeling? Uh, read it. And then suddenly, boom, change. Have you been doing any drugs? Have did, oh, it's instantaneous. You don't and, have to. That's what well, your answer should be. Exactly. You know, well, and the thing is, it's the medication. I mean, they're talking about narcotics. They just assume I do narcotics. They assume I drink. Um, and again, some of this is trained, and especially like in an ER, they they have to test for some of that stuff, which is fine. But just going to a GP, the first assumption is drugs. Yep, um, they jump right into that. And then, of course, they're worried do you, you don't have any firearms or anything like that then they jump into like the smiley face where are you on this little spectrum of six different emojis right and so you know i'm treated so differently the moment people read that and it doesn't matter the years and the effort i've put into it doesn't matter now that gives people an idea of what individuals deal with daily all the time and when you have of course, these sensitivities that other people don't really get. And I understand some of the stuff I brought up, other people won't get. It really was hard on me. And that spectrum of, you know, we kind of changed our whole topic, which I love where we kind of yeah, I've got I've got some good stuff to say too. So let's let let's let's jump into that. Cause you know what? We we start one show, we kind of went into a different direction. I liked where we went. So jump, go respond to what I was just saying. Okay. One of the things that ties in with this is people who are bipolar. They have, they all, they have, all bipolar people have exaggerated senses. And remember, people with autism, ad nauseum, I've said this, people with autism have the same senses that everyone else does, just more of them. Temple Grandin said that, and she should know. Um, so what happens when a person who's really highly sensitive gets excited, they get really excited, way two or three times what a neurotypical would be. And they run ragged, they don't sleep, their adrenals are exhausted. And then of course they crash because you can't maintain the pace. So the pendulum swings to extreme depression because they're so tired, so depleted of everything. Now we all have elements of this and it's the degree of how we react to it, it's how we react to it that makes the difference. If, for example, a person is moderately hypersensitive, yeah, they can get real euphoric and they could spend the next day up until mid till noon in bed, and then they're fine. But if the sensory sense, the sensitivities are so intense that their part is pounding, they're running around all over their place, they're talking nonstop, um, they feel that they're somebody famous and that they should be famous you can't run on that forever so you get tired so it's a kind of an exaggeration of what most of us feel and i hearken back one more time because it's so relevant temple grandin's quote the only difference that autistic people have the same senses as other people just more of them so you see how bipolar behavior can tie into autistic behavior and the people I work with, and 
I, I've worked with so many that I have the right to make generalizations at this point. The people I work with are virtually all smart. I mean, I imagine you can have a below average intelligence and be on the spectrum or be bipolar. I've just never met anyone who was. And schizophrenic people almost universally, when they're coherent, score really, really high on IQ tests. So um, as somebody once, a famous doctor once said, if the, the conditions of autism and or bipolar were really negative to the slow forward progression of the human species, then it would wipe them out, but it's not, it's producing more. So there must be something good about these hypersensitivities that maybe we ought to pay attention to and not see as an illness. I mean, it can be, it can be debilitating, but it's not always. Oh, I absolutely agree. There was um, a, a specific uh, study, it was a genetic uh, study that went over um, the direct link genetically. Um, I will, so anybody listening, I'll, I'll put this in the show notes, um, but it shows the correlation between um, intelligence and bipolar. And they had bipolar and schizophrenia, I believe, in the in the scatter plots. Um, there's like, I mean, it's it's definitely a medical read, so it's challenging to read. But um, I absolutely agree with you. And one thing that you just said, um, and now that I'm, you know, you've said the quote a few times. So you know, Temple Grandin's, you know, they just feel it more, right? And um, when you talk, you you talked a little bit about feeling like, you know, somebody feeling the God complex, very, very common, especially with bipolar. Um, I think we've all had a moment where we do something really, really well. And um, what happened, at least for me, and this fits in with what Temple Grandin said and what you just did too. So what would happen with me is that moment would come and something would just click. The thing is, is that the next moment, instead of that being like one moment that I just remember and cherish, right? Just something was perfect. You know, we all have those. It would get locked in. And so I would have another moment like that, another one, another one, and they would just stack. So when you talk about more, right? Instead right. of me having this momentary lapse or, or I guess just a moment of feeling really great about myself it would build. So instead of it being good, it was like, oh, I am the best. And you want to talk about some celebrities that we all know, you just watch some of their behavior, listen to how, how they talk. Um, you can tell when they're getting to that place. Now, the hard part is that, you know, when money, if you have enough means, you can kind of cover some of that up because you can go, you know, blow off the downside, like you said, when it shuts down. So if you continue to build up and you think you are actually the next, you know, you, you were born to save humanity. When you realize that's not true, it's kind of hard to come back from. Yeah. Um, I had, I had a good friend who um, I, I love him to pieces and I don't even know where he is anymore, but he truly believed he was like, you know, uh, well, definitely the God complex flew to Egypt, long story short, 
believed he would be able to walk through the pyramid and get, you know, out into a different plane of existence. Used all of his money, went there, bribed his way, slept in the queen's chamber. I mean, what a great story, right? But he was trapped there. And of course, that did, coming down from that, you can only imagine, right? Having to call up family to come get you because you're in a different country, right? Wow. And, you know, that gives people an idea of why, you know, again, we have to, you know, understand these things are really serious. And they can lead to some really extensive problems, which is why we want to talk about it and understand it. And, you know, the um, uh, what you had said kind of mimics a little bit of what my dad had said one time. He felt like sometimes he described my bipolar like kind of like almost like a computer chip overheating or a circuit breaker. I like that. Right? It goes so hot that it pops and the circuit breaker turns off and there's just nothing flowing. And I thought that was such a great description. I don't think he did the circuit breaker, but he said something along those lines. And that's a perfect visualization for it. And yeah. um, it was exactly like you said. And we've talked about it before that um, the nonverbal rage. What did you call it? I love it. Inarticulate rage. Inarticulate rage. Um, those, these things happen. And, and when we react, to our hypersensitivities and um can't we don't words. we can't, can't express words. them yeah and the hardest part is there are not that many experts in terms of qualified treating physicians and this is not a slam on any physician i know what you did in school i understand it i respect it there are not many of them that have this super high um you know, hypersensitivities and have dealt with a lot of the problems. And the reason I say this is because to have those extreme issues makes it pretty much impossible to get through school. It's just hard. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's improbable. Um, I have only met one doctor ever that uh, was diagnosed with um I, I know there's a famous, there's a couple of famous ones. Um, uh, what, Kate, uh, I'm trying to remember her last name. Do you remember? Well, I don't. But I want, I An Unquiet to... Mind, I believe, is the book. Yeah, that's a good book. An Unquiet Mind, I remember It's a that. great book. Kay Redfield Jameson, I believe, maybe. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure. Go ahead. Let me throw this in, too, because my thing is autism. That's who I work with. It's one of the phenomenons that everybody who really works with people on the spectrum who are, you know, I'm not talking about low functioning. I'm talking about middle and high functioning autistic people who you can reach. What happens with these people many times is they can get a broken arm or leg or a splinter the size of Jackson Hole in a leg and completely ignore it and go about and play. And their parents go, oh, my God, you could have blended that. And the kid doesn't even complain. The same kid will get a little splinter in a finger that wouldn't bother anybody. And it will drive them crazy. Meltdown. So what that tells me is there's, it's how when they are, they're in the, the hypo state, when they get a, something in their leg or break their arm, they're, they're shut down. But that's the thing about autism. 
you can go in and out of it. And it, many times on the same day, which makes life really hard. And then when they get the splinter, they focus on the splinter. And it's, you, it's just amazing how upset they can get. So it's a real quandary for parents and for doctors. They don't get it, but it's really not that hard. When you're hypersensitive, you can, you can try to use all those senses and get overwhelmed and exhausted and scared, or you can shut them down. And when they shut them down, they don't feel anything. So when they nope. do, they feel everything. And nobody knows that, Kirk. Nobody no. knows. And it was so well described because I, we literally just went through this exact same thing like two days ago with my eldest niece, who I just love. I, some, I mean, I watched this girl get her arm broken in like, I don't even remember how many places, but I know she's got like seven screws and like two plates, right? I mean, it wasn't a small break. I watched them have to like, she, you know, they didn't have time for painkillers. And they, I remember him just yanking up her arm, like, you know, to reposition the bones and watching her just tough through that. And then um, I think she like nicked her, like the back of her foot on something. And it was like a complete meltdown. You just described perfectly, literally what happened. What I thought was interesting um, is that what the big difference and um, what I've noticed, and I want to ask you, I just want to throw this back. Uh, as a question is, um, for me, uh, just like we've talked about with like ADHD, that hyper-focus, if there's interested in something, um, I feel it's almost the same with her. And it was kind of like with me too, I could push through pain. I could actually even push through some of the, um, uh, I only had so much room in my head. So if I was really interested in something, if I was really excited about something like a game or playing with someone running outside riding my bike it literally like i didn't have room in my head for the amount of feelings i was going through and so what happened is it allowed me to since i was able to focus on that one thing the key aspect and by the way this is a tip that i've used for my niece and uh, for people that i've worked with in the past for parents if you can get somebody to focus away from whatever that issue might be and you can even disrupt it for a few seconds it doesn't have to be a long um it at least shortens how long the um, explosion goes but um do you think that's part of it like the excitement of what they're doing versus when she got like her little cut on the back of her leg it was when it was quiet she had time to think she was processing the next day and she was kind of panicking so she had time to actually gather in all of the other things that were happening so the hypersensitivities were building up. Yeah, so you the, feel it more. There's an element there of truth, but the stuff I'm talking about is involuntary. It's it's not something that anybody knows about, including the person. They're doing it if they're on a spectrum and they're doing it involuntarily. People on the spectrum also are famous for being able to focus on something that they are really fascinated with, which explains savant syndrome. They just get so focus nothing stops them it's the same thing that's when they're shutting down the pain they're focusing on something exactly so you do think that same okay that's uh, it's i'm not quite finished with that it's like and they'll go to a class maybe they're they don't like um spanish class or trigonometry class they go into that mode of shutdown don't focus at all so there's a tendency for all or nothing and god knows that's me 
Ooh, I like that. Genius well, and, nothing in between. Well, and you know, the, the all or nothing is so frustrating for parents. I know is and it? siblings because, you know, that also comes out in sometimes the way, uh, you know, they love, right. It's all love, all hugs. Good. And Very then good. all of a sudden none. Um, and then there's confusion on like what somebody else did wrong. So, yep. you know, for family members and, and therapists and doctors that are working with, you know, these individuals, you know, please also understand, you know, I, I never meant to criticize or be cruel to anybody. I, I really didn't want to. Um, and, you know, that's actually something that I would love to do a show on uh, with you. So we'll, we'll do that because, you know, a lot of times I think, uh, you know, parents, I know some of the doctors, uh, the teachers that I was mean to, the cruelty that comes out is not necessarily always, um, it's not always the intended outcome of what I was trying to like get out. So what you were talking about before the inarticulate rage, let's do something about that, uh, a show on that. Um, I think there's a, I would love to keep going on about this. I thought the points were really valid. Um, we kind of talked and we did tie in at, there's a lot of commonalities between some of these things. Um, yeah. This show is really interesting. I don't even know how to title this one. So we'll figure we'll just stop here for now and we'll kind of continue with the next one. But for everyone listening, you know, please subscribe, uh, jump on comment. Uh, please let us know if there's something specific that you've gone through and you'd like us to talk about. Um, we have gotten some suggestions like specifics. So please do that. That helps us. Um, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing evening, everyone. Um, we deeply appreciate you all. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Chaos to Cared Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with everyone you know. And definitely like, follow, and subscribe. Certainly leave a comment if you'd like. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about the next time. Also, in our show notes, there should be direct links where you can follow us on our social media as well as reach out to us directly. Thanks again and have a great day. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Chaos to Cured podcast are the speaker's own. All discussion is based on our own experiences. We do not and cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information. Chaos to Cured podcast cannot give medical or health advice. All discussion is based upon our personal experiences and meant for general and educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help or for diagnostic purposes for yourself or another. Chaos to Cured podcast always encourages you to consult an appropriate professional.